Uh, so uh, this morning we have a little gap between the end of our last uh, series and the beginning of the Advent series that's coming up uh, as we look towards Christmas. And I thought this is just a really good opportunity to uh, speak about the Holy Spirit, especially since it was the Holy Spirit uh, weekend for the youth. I thought it would be really good to just bring some of that teaching to the rest of the community. Uh, there's a couple of things behind that in my heart. Uh, one, uh, just with my own little prophetic inkling with my own gift, I, there's a sense that uh, the Holy Spirit is, is pouring himself out in a new and unique way at OVV and that there's going to be more of the good stuff happening. Everybody, everybody that, that's all right. Yeah, we can, we can handle that, right? We want more of God to come and move and speak and the release of, of spiritual gifts and all of that. But the context, of course, we want to be safe, right? We want the Holy Spirit to come and do his stuff, but we don't want to be crazy, kooky pants, right? Right, so we want all of Jesus and not as much kooky pants. Now, sometimes kooky pants comes with the Holy Spirit stuff, and it's just unavoidable, and, and there's excitement, and he's poured out, he's doing his stuff, and, and, and just people go a little, you know, but that's okay. Like, I mean, honestly, at Holy Spirit meetings in a church in Toronto, someone brought me their dead cat in a bag and asked me to resurrect it. Like, like so, so I'm just saying, when the Holy Spirit's there and exciting things are happening, sometimes, you know, things just kooky pants, right? So um, we'll probably use that word kooky pants a few times. But uh, all that being said, right, we want all that the Holy Spirit's doing. We want everything he's doing and, and we just want to do it in safety and balance. And just every time the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the scriptures, in particular in the New Testament, it's all in the context of what it is uh, to hear him in a way that's safe and for how he's uh, interacting with the community. So this idea of what's the culture of the Holy Spirit? What does the culture of a church that moves in the Holy Spirit look like? Uh, that, that, that thought just seemed important to me. What, what is the culture? And I stole that logo, of course, from Jesus Culture. Just, you know, I totally ripped that off. Just want to be absolutely transparent about that. Uh, but, uh, but I thought, you know, spirit culture is, uh, is what we're sort of like, like asking. Like, what does that mean to move in the Holy Spirit in a good and healthy way? And the, the question that seems almost kind of foundational to that um, uh, in my thinking, and it's a question that's answered in the scriptures, is simply this, what is the personality or culture of the Holy Spirit like? Another way to say that is, how can you recognize the Spirit of God? How can you recognize the Spirit of God? How can you recognize that it's the Spirit of God and not kooky pants? Right? <laughs> how can you recognize it's the Spirit of God really doing this stuff and not, not kooky pants? And that question, how do we recognize the Spirit of God, is answered in the scriptures uh, in a number of different ways, but uh, where it's answered directly is in 1 John chapter 4, 1 to 3. It says this, says, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. 1 John 4, 1 to 3. Summarize, every spirit that is cool with Christmas Every spirit that is cool with the incarnation, the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, is from God. Now, what does that mean? Like, why is that a qualifier? Why is that an important part of the picture uh, in, in 1 John? Why is that little piece of theology that Jesus came in the f- flesh important? 
Why is it important? Uh, what Paul was speaking into and John was speaking into and a lot of the early leaders in the early church was uh, juxtaposing Christianity with a philosophy and, and religious stream called Gnosticism. Uh, and what Gnosticism said that was contrary to Christian and Hebrew theology at that time was simply this idea that everything that is spirit is good and everything that is fleshly or human is bad. That was the theological idea. And, and if you just let that slide without even thinking about it too much, doesn't that sound even a little bit sometimes like the way the church thinks and operates sometimes? Everything that's spiritual is awesome. Everything that's uh, human is, is bad, right? But somehow uh, this idea became important that um, the, the, the flesh is important in a sense. Not Now, of course, if you're reading an old King James Version, when we say the flesh, we are talking about something bad, like that spiritual religious language from the Old Testament King James Version, the flesh uh, is, is a bad use of the language. But what we're talking about is Jesus who came in the flesh, he came into humanity, he came in a real and tangible way. What it's saying here is that uh, it's so important for us to acknowledge that Jesus came in a way that was intentionally designed to be authentic and relatable and practical to the life of the humans on the planet. The life of the Spirit is meant to come in a way that is an understandable expression of the love of God to people. That's the guiding principle for how we know if it's the Holy Spirit speaking. Is it loving people the way Jesus loved people? That's our guiding principle. Is it loving people the way uh, Jesus loved people? And we see that as we unpack the rest of 1 John, verse 7 and 8 says this, says, and he's still talking about the whole thing. He does a whole chapter on that idea of how do you recognize the Spirit of God. He says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love God does not know God, because God is love. So uh, understanding the work of the Spirit is all about understanding how God wants to tangibly, practically love people. And where you see the spirit or ministry or prophetic or anything that's not loving people, that's hurting people, we know that's not the spirit of God. It's very simple. That's what it's saying. So what's our posture? Our posture at a very basic level is that the work of the spirit is meant to cause us to lean into relationship. It's meant to cause us to be inclined toward one another in love and not meant to divide or isolate us. Right, And so many times over the last even hundred years of church history, through the beautiful Pentecostal movement uh, that, that began in Azusa Street at around the turn of the century, uh, in the turn of the 1900s, incredible move of God and embracing of the coming of the Holy Spirit uh, was led by a, a black leader in the United States, an African-American leader in the States, who uh, just had this incredible outpouring of God in his church. But somehow in the midst of that, it got hijacked by the white guys who came in, took the thing and separated it. And, and even now from that moment uh, in history, at the turn of the century, we have two Pentecostal denominations in the United States, one white, one black, uh, that have just never reconciled and never been together from that moment of division and hurt in the time of kooky pants, right? An incredible divisive thing that happened that, that I know grieves the heart of God. But the Holy Spirit was meant to come in a way that brings people together and not set them apart. 
right? So our posture uh, of the Spirit speaking to us in community always has to be towards unity. It has to be an inclination towards love, an inclination towards connecting people. And where we just see division, we see a brokenness. So when we look at that move of the Spirit, and I, and I could take so much time to just unpack the history of it, um, that, that move of the Spirit that happened at the turn of the century, um, not our century anymore, um, that was meant to, to take those people and bring them together. And when voices that were not of the Spirit got in the mix, this incredible cleaver took these two communities that were moving in beautiful unity and just separated them and tore them apart. And we see the repercussions of it uh, today. My, my, one of my professors at university was one of the first white Pentecostals ordained in the Church of God in Christ in the United States. One of the first white Pentecostals uh, ordained in the black Pentecostal movement. So we see some things that are bringing those back together, but we have to be inclined towards unity uh, as the Spirit moves. That's what God, God's heart is all about. Uh, we're going to go on to another text, and again, this, this message is just going to be just ripping up the scriptures and just digging into stuff. Um, I, I, as you can see, black and white slides for me kills me, but uh, we're just going to just keep plowing through. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Uh, Let's read this together. If I speak in the tongues of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So here again, we see Paul now talking about the gifts of the Spirit and the coming of the Holy Spirit and all of that amazing stuff. And he says the context for it, what's absolutely central to it and essential to it is this idea of love. And it goes on. This is the thing that we read in, in weddings. How many people have had this? How many of you actually had this read at your wedding ceremony? This passage, right? Like some of you have, like I've done it in so many weddings and this one always comes up, right? Um, But it goes on to say this, it says this, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. Now this text has been misused a lot of times by people who uh, might have a cessationist leaning that would look at this text and just read this one little piece where their prophecies they'll cease, where their tongues they will be stilled and say that the gifts of the Holy Spirit ceased with the death of the apostles. So that's where theologically some people who would be what we call cessationists, people who don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our time, would be camped around that and believing. But we don't believe that's a good interpretation of the scripture because the text continues on it says this for we we know in part we prophesy in part but when completeness comes what is in part disappears so what Paul is talking about in this context is when heaven comes when the kingdom comes in its fullness when the trumpet sounds when Jesus returns that's when all of it ends the whole context of that passage is uh, eagerly desire spiritual gifts desire the Lord pouring himself out desire prophecy, desire tongues desire seeing healings, desire seeing miracles desire seeing all of that seek it, let it all happen but when the end comes, that's when it all ceases Uh, you're not going to need to prophesy about Jesus when you're with him face to face right? So this is a really interesting piece for us, right? Because uh, charismatic Christians, uh, myself, even when I was like a young charismatic Christian, I grew up Baptist without any belief that the Holy Spirit speaks or does any of that stuff, right? I didn't have any grid for it until I started speaking in tongues, and then I feared I better get a grid for it. Um, 
But before any of that experience was, was real to me, um, uh, I was like going ahead, doing my thing. But when all of a sudden that happened and I began to uh, see the prophetic work and I began to say, see a sense of the Holy Spirit moving in my life, I began to uh, hear prophetic words for people and all of that stuff. When it became alive to me, I went for a little trail down Kooky Pants Land. I did, and I freaked everybody out because I was so excited about this. I freaked everybody out, and I disillusioned people, and I alienated them, right? Because I was so excited about what the Spirit was doing. I mean, like, I mean, I'll just give you one example. I've told you this story before, but I, I was uh, I was working at Salem Storehouse actually at the time with Doug, and this was just uh, when I was maybe nineteen or twenty years old, um, and I went to. Uh, go out of the thing, I'd close the shop and go out in the parking lot and there was a guy and his car wouldn't start out in the parking lot. Yeah. So I went running across the parking lot in full prophetic zeal and laid hands on his car <laughs> and asked it to be healed. And he honestly, he started running. <laughs> like I freaked him out. I freaked him out. I got him to come back and all that and I prayed for his car and his car actually started. Like it actually, like, like God actually did a, did a mechanical miracle with this guy's car or a coincidental miracle. I don't know what it is, but, but uh, the Lord actually did something with this guy. But I, I, I didn't just freak out weird strangers in parking lots. I, I, I freaked out my, my home church, beautiful Baptist church, Canada Baptist church, those poor people. Like honestly, those poor, poor people because I was so mad that they weren't spiritual. I was so mad that they didn't have the Holy Spirit. What's wrong with you people? What's wrong with you? And, and in my excitement about the gifts that I had, there was judgment in my heart, right? So I had this incredible gift from the Lord, but I wasn't inclined towards them in love. There's a brokenness in me. It became a part of my identity. I took that gift and said, yeah, that's me. That's who I am. This is such an amazing experience. And I let that become a more part of my identity than Jesus. Uh, your identity can't be in your gift. Like your money, you don't get to take it with you. For real. Those gifts that you have that are such an important part of who you are, that we want to see flourish in this community, we want to see poured out, we want to see God do amazing things, but those gifts will cease when the trumpet sounds and when you're face to face with the Lord, when we're in heaven. They will end. So, So they can't be the core of your identity of who you are. Uh, and Jesus says the same thing in his teaching. I'm sorry, I don't have the, the reference here, but in, in the book of Matthew, he says this, talking to the disciples. They're so proud of the work that they've done. He comes back to them and says, many of you will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Uh, did we not drive out demons in your name and perform many miracles? Then I will answer them plainly. Away from me, you evildoers, I never knew you. What? I prophesied. I did miracles. I, I did all the Holy Spirit stuff. I'm like, I'm amazing. Take me, Lord. He's like, but, but you didn't know me. You didn't have relationship with me. You weren't loving me. You didn't have intimacy with me. Real deal, relationship trumps your gifts. Relationship with Jesus trumps your gifts. Now, I'm still saying, like, I want to say with absolute clarity, we want the gifts poured out in the community. We want it happening. 
Like absolutely clear. We want more of the prophetic. We want more of healings. We want more of miracles. Like we believe it. We've seen amazing things. We're going for it. But relationship with Jesus has to be the goal. It has to be the context. It's all about Jesus. And, and, and just even to give that, that sense of, of how the Holy Spirit works in community contexts and how important our relationships to one another are in that, uh, in Paul's teaching on the gifts, he, he really, I mean, he's really blunt about it, to be honest, when he's just talking about how it works in community. Uh, he says this, he says, two or three prophets should speak and the other should weigh carefully what is said. Now, what I want us to take from that is this idea that um, when somebody speaks prophetically, none of us are speaking as an oracle from God in a way that all the other humans ought to obey you. Right? That when a word is given, it, it's meant to come in the context of, okay, so now we'll weigh this, we'll, we'll eat the meat, we'll spit out the bones. What do the other prophetic voices say about it? Does this, does this fit with us? Does this, does this make sense? Is this something that we uh, hear as a direction from the Lord for our church? Or is this something that we need to, to process a little bit more? That there's a role for the community in discerning the voice of the God as he, God as he speaks to us prophetically, right? Uh, Paul submits his own gift uh, in this context, right? Two or three prophets should speak. The others should weigh carefully what is said. Uh, going on, skipping over to verse 32, the spirits of the prophet are subject to the control of the prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Right? So those of us who are, who are prophetic, and we have some incredible, beautiful prophetic people in our community, Beth, is, is one of those beautiful people that none of you know uh, that she's a prophetic person, but she is. Vince Marquis, Harold, uh, and there's others of you that are people that I really, really trust as, as prophetic voices in our community. But all of those things just come and are discerned together and are weighed together. And that's why we don't encourage parking lot prophecy or prophecy by text. It happens in isolation and apart from relationship, right? Is the prophetic needs to be something that happens uh, in, in a way that the community can, can weigh it and judge it and evaluate it, right? So we, we, anytime somebody sends me a prophetic word, I, I give it to a few other people uh, to look at before I would send it to anybody else because I want the community to weigh it and discern it and, and value it that way. Um, and actually that sense of, of weighing the prophetic um, and, and, and letting the prophetic word that you have being subject uh, to the community a way of valuing it. Um, it. It's just an important piece for us there. The prophetic is meant to come in the context of community. It's meant to draw us together. Um, so what I want to look at for just a second, again, we're just plowing through so much uh, scripture here. Um, but I wanted to look at this beautiful piece on the fruit of the Spirit, Paul teaching in Galatians chapter 5. He says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, and how many of you have heard that before? How many of you, um, you know, that's something pretty familiar. If you were in Sunday school as a kid, it's probably one that you memorized. Uh, we, we value the Spirit's work in us because he produces those things. But one of the questions I've always asked myself, and I've taught on the fruit of the Spirit a number of times, is 
if this is the heart of what the Spirit wants to do in us, if this is the heart of who he is, if this is uh, the nature of the Spirit, if this is the culture of the Spirit, how closely does this tie to what we see in the personality of Jesus, right? Just want to picture, like, like big picture, right? Jesus, God, Holy Spirit, Trinity, all three are one. The three and one, the Trinity, right? So if the Spirit is doing something, how much like that should Jesus be? Is the culture of the Spirit the culture of Jesus? And that's why I played with that idea, Jesus culture, Spirit culture. And one of the questions I've always asked myself that I've never really dug into is, are these fruit of the Spirit in any way tied to the Beatitudes? Right, you know the Beatitudes, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, his teaching on the kingdom? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall. Blessed are the meek, for they shall. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall. That, that incredible central sermon to Jesus' teaching where we see this meekness and gentleness and, and beauty of the personality of Jesus. Uh, how is that tied to the fruit of the Spirit? Is it there? And, and, and what became really clear as I dug into it is it's absolutely tied to it. Uh, Paul is actually commenting. He's a commentator on uh, the, the teachings of Jesus. And what is pretty clear from looking at this whole passage is that he actually had the books Matthew and Luke in his hands, or sorry, Mark and Luke in his hands, those letters at the time that he wrote this. And the reason you can see it is, is in the passage before that bit on Matthew chapter 5, 22, uh, 23, before that, he talks about the works of the flesh. Uh, and he talks about idolatry, and he talks about this whole list of 15 items that Paul says are problem behaviors for the church. Well, those 15 items that are problem behaviors in the church that he identifies just before, uh, in chapter 5, just before verses 22 and 23, uh, in that list, uh, the acts of the flesh are sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, self-ambition, dissensions, factions, uh, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like, all of that stuff that Paul says, uh, these, are, these are all unhealthy behaviors in the church, all of those things in both Matthew, or sorry, in both Mark and Luke are lists that Jesus used. Uh, in the Matthew passage, he has 13 of them, and in the Luke passage, he has, I think, seven or eight of them, but they and most of them are in common, except for the two additional ones that Matthew has, or sorry, that Luke has that Mark doesn't have, uh, are, the, are the ones that make up that total list of 15. So Jesus basically is taking these two Gospels in front of him, or Paul's taking these two Gospels in front of him and mixing them together and said, okay, well, here's the list of 15 things that Jesus says are, are imperfect behaviors. So what is the correlation then between what Jesus says next in the Gospels, the Beatitudes? Um, and what we see is that he's actually commenting on the Beatitudes by giving this list of things that are the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, uh, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, and, and here we see, here. I'm just going to unpack that correlation for you. Uh, the first thing, of course, is love. And these are the headers to that discussion on the, uh, on the work of the Spirit. Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is the blessing that comes on the poor in spirit? Well, the poor in spirit are the people who are rejected. The poor in spirit are the people who are loved. The poor in spirit are the people who are, are broken. Poor spirit are the people who need healing in the heart. And what is the blessing that comes on them by the ministry of the Spirit of God, that ministry of Jesus? Well, the blessing that comes on them, as Paul is commenting here, is love. Affection, connection, unity. 
The fruit of the Spirit is love. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Joy. Those who mourn get joy. And I promised they told me they were going to leave. I didn't, and then I said it promised I wouldn't signal them out. But see you guys later. Have a great, yeah. <laughs> Love you guys. We have that kind of relationship. We can do that. That's all good. Um, uh, blessed are those uh, who mourn, for they will be comforted. Of course, those who mourn get joy. On the other side, uh, joy comes in the morning, right? Pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. Peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. The correlation. Blessed are those who are persecuted uh, because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The persecuted get patience. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, which must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. James 1. Right? Uh, Those who are uh, merciful, for they will be shown mercy. The fruit of the Spirit is kindness. Those who are merciful receive the kindness of God. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Goodness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Faithfulness. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The gentleness of God. The gentleness of the Spirit. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and say all kinds of false things about you. You get self-control. The ability to stand and see the deliverance of the Lord. So these nine fruits of the Spirit are directly correlated to the nine Beatitudes. Paul's commenting on them and saying the Spirit pours himself out on you in this way just according to the very heart of Jesus and his character and who he was and who he is. You read Paul commenting on this. It's incredible. And there's just, I mean, I could do a whole sermon series on each of these, just unpacking each of these things. But it's just incredible, the love of Jesus and how he longs to pour himself out. Uh, and even another, just another connection, that this is one of only nine spots where Paul teaches on the kingdom. He's bringing this Jesus te- teaching on the kingdom from the Beatitudes forward. So where does that leave us? As people longing to have the Holy Spirit poured out longing to see miracles, longing to see uh, deliverance, longing to see healing, longing to see uh, so many of these amazing things, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, longing to see the church moving in the fullness of the Spirit, moving in the fullness of the gifts. Um, we, we, we leave ourselves with this. Uh, don't put out the Spirit's fire. This is from Thessalonians. Again, I'm sorry I'm missing the reference. But look at this. Even here, always be joyful. Never stop praying. Whatever happens, give thanks because it is God's will in Jesus Christ that you do this. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. Don't despise what God has revealed. Instead, test everything. Hold on to what is good. Keep away from every kind of evil. Don't put out the Spirit's fire. Don't despise this prophetic stuff that's coming. Don't despise this pouring out of the gifts. But rather than despise them, test them. To test these things poured out in the community is valuing them. Because the other alternative is to reject them. 
So we're to receive all this incredible ministry of the Holy Spirit and work of the Spirit, but we're to receive it with our brains still turned on. And discernment happening. Mutual discernment. The prophets being subject to the prophets. And there was something amazing to unpack in that that I just, that I just glossed over, but uh, it, it's, it's incredibly beautiful to see that we test these things. We hold on to what is good. We take the meat and we spit out the bones. And we keep away for every kind of evil. And just to close this thought from uh, Timothy, this is 2 Timothy again, reference missing. For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God, for the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-discipline. And again, we see the power and love with the caution and the wisdom, right, of self-discipline. So fan into the flame the gift that is in you. Let's all stand up. Oh Lord, we come to you um, in the, in hearing the voice of Paul speaking across the years, giving us permission to eagerly desire the greater gifts. We hear the voice of Jesus speaking to us, your voice across the years saying, uh, I'm sending you another counselor. I'm sending you an advocate. I'm sending you someone to come alongside. I'm sending you my Holy Spirit. We say, we receive you, Holy Spirit. We receive your gifts. We receive your grace. We receive your wisdom. We receive the prophetic. We receive uh, healings, miracles, everything that you want to do among us. We, we, we don't want you constrained. We don't want you tied down. We don't want you limited in our midst. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. For, for, you know, there's just a sense as I, as I pray. There's some of you here that had some experience with the Holy Spirit when you were young. And uh, through some disillusionment and some pain and maybe some, uh, some growing up stuff, you feel like those gifts have become dormant. And I just feel like, like just saying to you, uh, fan into flame those gifts. Those things that you received at the altar when you were young, would they, would they awaken in you? Would they awaken in you, Lord? Awaken your people, oh God. Holy Spirit, would you come to us and reveal to us the Father? Would you come to us in the meekness and gentleness of Jesus. Would you bless your people? And not only bless us in here, Father, but would you send us out to the streets to advance your kingdom? Would you give words of wisdom, words of knowledge, uh, the prophetic uh, to us that we could go to the streets, go to our workplaces, go to our friends' homes, go to the schools and speak the life of Jesus into people? Release us, Lord.
thank you for all you've taught us about safety in that. But we say again, fan to flame the gifts. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. We welcome you. Father, we, we just honor and thank you for the prophetic voices among us. We thank you for folks like Harold and Beth and Vince and others who, who hear you in a unique and special way. As you would cause others to rise up. prepare us for whatever outpouring is coming Lord that we would just have good and humble hearts who would just love like you do that everything we do would acknowledge your passion to connect with other humans we would acknowledge the incarnation we would acknowledge you coming Incline us towards one another in love. the gift of hearing your voice uh, I ask that it would be a gift for every believer in this place each one would hear you speak your words of love uh, to the heart 